What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you're a nerd, read this book. Because <laughs> if you're a fantasy nerd, yes, definitely pick this up. If the only stuff you like is Red Rising. Okay, there's no need to trash that. I don't know. You can have... Welcome, welcome everyone to the Tudor Realm Podcast, and my name is Richard. My name is Austin. And today we're talking about the book Piranesi by Susanna Clark, and my God, guys, this book got me. We're cutting right to it. Screw the spoiler-free <laughs> everything. Okay, no, we're going to have spoiler-free for 10 to 15 minutes, then spoilers, but read this damn book. Oh, yeah. Read if, this book. If you book. are a pure fantasy fan, yep. I think this is a great book that actually goes into the psychology of actually reading fantasy books. The, so, CBS Sunday Morning on the cover, it has Destined to Become a Work of Classic Fantasy. 100% accurate. Oh, yeah. And do you feel good? We're agreeing? We're on the same page. I feel great that we're actually yes. agreeing on something. It feels nice. It, it does. feels a little weird, yeah. but it feels good. I'm uncomfortable as well, but <laughs> I'm, I'm hyped because this Pierre Nasty, we actually covered in our monthly book club on our Patreon, our community Patreon, where if you want to come and join, talk some books, and we talk books with you in a Discord call at the end of each month, and this needed it. Because it definitely I, I learned did. things from our patrons that there were quite <laughs> which, a bit, which we will get into. Mm-hmm. But first things first, you want to talk Susanna Clark because I have some stuff I looked into her as an author that fascinated me as like as an aspiring writer as well. It fascinated me. So mm-hmm. Susanna Clark, very first thing about her, this was her first novel in like fifteen years. She, wow. Yeah, her one of her early. I think she did short stories and stuff like that in the past. But as far as full length novels go, her first was the novel called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which was a Hugo Award-winning novel. So you'd think someone after all that success would be like, <laughs> oh, I'm an author now. But she said, screw it. I'm going to write when I want. And I'm Good. here for it. So <laughs> make, make it high in demand. And that, I, So Susanna Clark, in a way, reminds me of you a little bit. I, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> I was going to make a compliment of like, you know, I feel like you're the kind of guy you're doing YouTube in this podcast thing because you're forced to, 
If you decided, I feel like you'd come up with a banger video every 15 years, I'd look forward uh, to it. Ah, there we go. I, I, I do appreciate those people. Like, yeah. okay, I don't know if you guys know the YouTuber Code Bullet, but he is exactly like that. I don't know who that is. He makes some great videos. I love his stuff. But he, like, comes out with a video every, like, six months. <laughs> <laughs> it just is whenever it happens. Yeah. It comes out, it's a banger. <laughs> Honestly, that's what Mr. Beast is starting to do, where it's not that late and delayed between videos, but he does once a month now, where he used mm. to kind of do weekly and more so, but now he spends millions of dollars into one video. Seems like Susanna Clark said, hey, I'm going to take my time with this one. So It's the opposite of uh, the author to, to Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Uh, she just wrote the one and won all these awards. Everyone's reading it. It's the instant classic. And she went... Yeah, I'm never going to top that. And no, stopped. That was a side quest. <laughs> that was a, oh, I've accomplished <laughs> author. Now, I, I know you're not big <laughs> in the sports ball, but you know who Jokic yeah. is? Jokic? Yeah, basketball player. No. Any, okay. I know LeBron. So any That's sports balls people out there, but Jokic won, the, him and his team won the title, the NBA title, this, this last time around, and mm -hmm. memes everywhere. And you could see his reactions of he could care less. He just went back home to, I think it's Serbia, don't quote me on that. He just went back home to Serbia and like rode horses and stuff and backed with his family. He just, he was done. He's like, he won the thing and went good. <laughs> so <laughs> you remind me of him as well. So you're saying like the minute we get a million subscribers, that's when I hang up the coat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And done. And that we accomplished our dreams. <laughs> I've accomplished. Time to go home. And maybe this is something I can get from Susanna Clark's writing. And I promise we're going to get deep into Piranesi and still spoiler free, by the way. So you can mm -hmm. still stick around for that. But she has a writing technique, a writing discipline, a way of writing that is called the Pomodoro technique. And Pomodoro, I've heard of it. You have? Okay, yeah. yes. Uh, it's, me to it's a standard uh, studying technique, but oh, really? I would love for you to explain for people who don't oh, know. Oh, yes. I didn't know you knew this because mm -hmm. Pomodoro is in, in Italian, Pomodoro means tomato. Mm -hmm. So it's it came from this tomato clock that this guy created. And basically, you work in 25-minute intervals. So she write for 25-minute intervals, then take a 5 to 10-minute break. Then write again for 25 minutes, take a 5 to 10-minute break. Repeat that four times, so four total times, and then you take a longer half-hour break. And that's how you get your work done. So you have those breaks here and there. And to write this book, she said she would write at max three hours in a day. She's using this technique, and that's how she can get something done, which is hmm. interesting way to do it. And maybe could help sure. fellow writers out there. I thought it was a pretty pretty fascinating thing. Yeah. The, uh, nah. <laughs> well, uh, the proof's in the pudding, Austin. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing your book on this table. Mine's called the ketchup technique because I smashed that tomato and I failed. <laughs> so that's that's the best I have. But other things with Susanna Clark, just a quick inspiration. It's called Piranesi because there is an artist named Giovanni Bautista Piranesi. If you're watching a video, I'll put a painting up there of, of his stuff. So he he painted these labyrinths and prisons and so forth. And that's why Piranesi, the main character, is named Piranesi. Oh, okay. Which I think it's pronounced Piranesi, but we might, we never. We never pronounce anything no. correctly. Now it's not At this point, right. yeah, we're not going to change now. But other brief things, there's Jorge Luis Borges. I butchered that. That was one of her inspirations. And also uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, who <laughs> wrote the Earthsea. I think the second book in that explored labyrinths, but she has a lot of inspirations, including C.S. Lewis and all that. So what do you think of Susanna Clark based on all that information? I'll be honest. The, the one piece of information I do know about this book that yeah. I found fascinating, which makes complete sense for this novel is when she was writing this book, she was stuck inside due to more 
health really complications so she couldn't actually leave the house and she was stuck inside all the time for yeah. how long i think it was at least over a year i have down just yeah it didn't have a time but in an interview she said that she said she was confined to her house plus like she could walk her neighborhood that was yeah. really it because she was and, ill and so this book kind of came out of that mind frame and yeah. that state of mind which makes perfect sense when you read the book yep and want to give our spoiler free summary and review here before we give our rating our very you know our rambler anticipated rating Mm. how would you explain this book spoiler free to the fellow person watching saying should i read this book uh the best way i think i can explain it is this book follows a character named piranesi and you are reading his journal entries while in a mysterious realm and you as the reader are trying to put together the pieces on why is he there? What is this place? Uh, who, are, who are enemies? Who are friends? And ultimately, while you're trying to put the piece together, so is the main character. And I think it has a lot... The, the entire world itself is a sense of huge scale. Th- this sense of this weight that is kind of bearing down upon you. It's almost an oppressive size of the world. It feels dangerous in a very lonely way. I felt both comfortable and scared at the same time. It was a constant like, little bit of yeah. uncomfortability in the entire world. And I love that. Oh, yeah, it's good. And, and for anyone wondering to go read this, if this is your taste, I will say this very clearly. This is not entertainment. It is art. It is not a mm-hmm. book that you're going to read for that high action or page turning narrative this is a yeah, mystery yeah. and the best words described i've seen this on like this is on the book cover and other things but the words enchanting spellbinding pure is that pure is enchanting spellbinding you will feel like you've left this world and if you are up for those kind of artistic philosophical deep thinking a book you will be left with like you will, you will think about it long after. We read this, I think, a week ago, and I've been wanting to talk about this book with just everybody. Yeah, it's because there's so much to say. It has a lot to say, and it's ambiguous, and you can draw a lot of meaning from it. So if you if you're a nerd, read this book because <laughs> if you're a fantasy nerd. Yes, definitely pick this up. If the only stuff you like is Red Rising. Okay, there's no need to trash that. I don't know. You can have entertainment and art, okay? I'm just saying, if you if you find yourself like you only read Red Rising and you do that over and over again, that's all you read, maybe it's not the book for you. But maybe you should try. As much as I hate that you said that, you are right. There's one of our patrons, Jangle, who only likes entertainment. If you only are there to watch your Top Gun Mavericks, which is a great film... This is not a Top Gun Maverick. If you're there to, this is it's a slow burn. This it's is a thinker. This is like if yeah. film, if a book had an Oscar bait kind of scenario. You yeah. know those Oscar films that just go for the artsy, big message. That this yeah. is it, and it's great. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so I'm excited to hear this because my rating has changed since last time we discussed. What is your out of ten? Richard Rambler rating. By the way, the alliteration on that's great. Richard Rambler rating. It's pretty nice. Made for it. Well. The Richard Rambler rating for Piranesi by yeah. Susanna Clark is an 8.55 out of 10. That's a great Richard score. That's a great score. That's really great. It's a fantastic, like, oof. I have a lot, of, a lot of praise to be given. I gave it, and last time you remember what my score was, was lower than this, but still very high. 
I came down to a 9.1 out of 10. This wow. broke the nine for me and is an excellent book. Pure Nessie is an excellent book. And I will even go as far to say this. Hmm. In our Q&A last week, I mentioned how I never just reread things or rewatch things. I may reread this. Like, soon. Yeah. I may because it is one of those books that you make theories by the end of it. It's almost like watching the film, um, what's M. Night Shyamalan, that... The, I see dead people. Oh, my God. What the uh, hell is the oh, film's shoot. name? Oh, we're terrible names oh, and places and things. Oh, oh. Um, I see. De- I, uh, Sixth Sense. Okay. It's like you watch The Sixth Sense once, and then you have to watch it once more. Yeah. Because that's the point of it. I feel like Pure is one of those books. You'll get something from it again. I see that. It's also short enough that it's a, a reread is okay. Yes. And that's another big thing for the pitch. If you are wondering if you should read this, you can read this in a day. In, in a couple, okay, maybe. That, I mean, that's what I did. I read it. Like four or five hours, right? It yeah. Just real quick. And I, again, Rich, I'll say this. I'll give you one last chance to disagree with my high rating. <laughs> you, you don't want to undercut it in any way, shape, or form? I don't know. It, it's just the, to break that nine is very hard for me. I don't have too many books that do that. Mm-hmm. In many ways, this book falls in a similar line as Small Gods to me. Like, Small Gods is excellent. It is. Yeah. It is excellent. It's just that tiny bit of excellence more. <laughs> okay. In a way, like, I just enjoyed myself probably more often. I smiled more. It was a more enjoyable throughout and also made me think as well. So this book, like, it's just, it's only like half a point off. It's very small, but I just... I know where my ranking sits, but I still really love this book. Okay. So the, there's going to be almost no complaints this episode. And no. just to give the other part, is, so don't just listen to Richard and I. Mm-hmm. So here's what other people have been saying about the book. So for example, this book was the third place finalist in the Hugo Awards in 2021, I believe. It came out in 2020. And it won the Woman's Prize for Fiction and is a 4.23 on Goodreads. A good score. All good scores. A good score on a bad site. <laughs> yeah, until the Rambler site comes up. You, until you just the Rambler wait. site. <laughs> and I want to give also some other perspective of what some of our patrons said because gives you gives you that perspective. For example, mm. Shri Shri, who said, had a lot of insight, is great. Okay, we'll, we'll he mention. changed my whole perspective on oh, this yeah. book. <laughs> I, I just got to give Shri Shri credit. Like, give him his flowers. Oh yeah. my god, I he saw this book through a new lens that completely changed my perspective, yes. and I got to appreciate. It. I got got to give him that credit. And, and great this, points. Uh, he had he had this to say as well that although he loved this book, he has a hard time recommending it to someone else. And I couldn't agree more. As much as we're saying read this, with the emphasis of it's not entertaining, and I'm not saying that as a negative connotation. It, but it's not your casual no. reader, casual fantasy fan. Like yeah, if you're trying to get your friend into reading fantasy, this is not this it. is not where you start. This is incredibly unique. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, we love it for that. Mm-hmm. So. So he had that to say. Then we had, I have to say this quote from Breadsticks. It was just a great quote. <laughs> she said, the first quarter, and by the way, this is a patron. So patron Breadsticks said, the first quarter read like someone's advent calendar during lockdown. Towards the end, it felt like Christmas and brought it home. What a nice little wrap up. <laughs> nice little quote. And then Big Papa Picks loved the book. And he said, the more I think about it, the more I love it. And again, I agree that the more, it's been, only been a week or so removed. But every day that passes, I'm thinking about it more oh, and yeah. more and more. <laughs> you, you don't I, feel the same? I do feel the same. Yeah. I, I was actually talking with, like, I'm trying, so I'm trying to get, like, my mother and father to also read the books. So I could talk with them about it. Yeah. 
I don't have. You many still have a relationship them. with your parents? Yes, for some reason. Hmm. It, it's nice. Really? Yeah, I know. Hmm. Okay. I, I'm surprised they haven't cut me off a while ago, but you yeah. know. <laughs> so you're trying to get them to read it? I'm trying because I don't have many other reader friends other than the Patreon and you. And <laughs> thanks I for really including don't... me in that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anyone else to tell to read this book. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, and we do like we can only talk about it so much before we're like nodding our heads, going, "Yeah, yeah." Well, also. We just, we talk our ears off anyway. It's like, okay, now we understand each other. And now we want to find out what someone else thinks. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So if you aren't convinced to read this book, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why you're watching. Yeah. So we're, you want to get into spoilers for everybody? Let's get into it. This is your warning, spoiler warning, and we're going to get into the five categories. You ready, Rich? I am. Category one. Emotional, Emotional impact. How'd you feel on the inside out of ten? I felt pretty good. I even raised my score a little bit from my initial rating. I mm-hmm. gave this a 8.5 out of 10. Great Richard score. Mm-hmm. My original one was somewhere in the 8s, but I will justify this, mm-hmm. this score, 9.5. It is That's n- mighty high. It is near 10, 9.5. I was not kidding when I'm talking about the, the impact you were, of this You were book. riveted every page. Yeah. Not just riveted, left with the wow factor. I was left going... <laughs> I was like Owen Wills. Wow. And I felt great. And there's a lot of reasons for this. I want to toss it to you before I gush. Okay. Emotional impact. Why? Why is it so meaningful to you? Main thing is, I, as you pointed out to me, I tend to be a world first, like a, mm-hmm. like a world building reader. Yeah. I love the world. That's what I'm looking for in a fantasy book. And this book really gave it to me. Like mm-hmm. as, as far as the very first page, the intrigue, I was there. I, I just had to know. What is about, this like, world? It, instead of a regular date, it, it starts with, um, let me see. <laughs> the albatross, da da yeah, da da uh, this, this hooked me from, yeah. from quite literally the first page. I'll, I'll read it off since it's the spoiler section. Oh, yeah. When the moon rose in the third northern hall, I went to the ninth festival. Entry for the first day of the fifth month in the year the albatross came to the southwestern halls. Already. <laughs> You're like, why? <laughs> why, why, is, why is they naming dates this way? This is so strange. The year the albatross came to the western halls, I was down. Yes. That, that, that really intrigued me. So that set the tone of my, the whimsy mm-hmm. of the world. And so beyond that, the character himself gave <sighs> off a very, he got some emotion. Oh, character out of me. section? Oh. There's some crap to say. This, it's awesome. But how he made me feel emotionally mm-hmm. is one, I, you could see his innocence and it was, an, it was a fun perspective to see him from because it was so odd, almost mm-hmm. childlike. And then when he flips, it's very disturbing. So he got those uh, kind of, wholesome feelings out of me and also the more disturbed and then of course by the end of it i'm thinking about what this book means by the end and still thinking a week later i'm probably still going to be thinking about it so i'll stop yeah. you there then i have eight things of what it meant to me wow what did it mean to you like what did you get out of this and i'm uh, i'm sure you're going to cover some of the ones on this list here yeah well, what's one of the so emotional impact wise you got a message from this story What's what's the main message that stuck with you? Because Honestly, another thing to say, sorry, I'm prefacing this yeah. way too much, but I'm prefacing this because I've checked videos out there of theories, what people got from this, and it's almost hard to find two people that think the exact same thing about this book. 
Wow. So what do you think about this book? I'll be honest. Shri Shri changed my mind. Okay. He, he completely changed my mind. Okay. He believed and he saw that this book was a metaphor or an allegory for reading fantasy itself. So interesting. And that depending on where the main character, Paranesi, saw such joy and wonder out of it because he was going into the world willing to accept what the world was going to give to him. He wasn't looking to get something specific out of it. He was just there to explore and to just see what the world has mm-hmm. versus the other character was looking for something specific. He was trying to gain its secrets. and he was Possess. Looking, and yeah. not just possess it, but he doesn't well, want what it what? has. He wants specifically something that he is imposing yeah. on the world. Yeah, yeah. And how when you read other just just when you read for, for my personal feelings, what you yeah. could do next time is when I say to possess it, you could say not just possess it. You could say yes, possess it, and you know you could add on to what I'm saying rather than going no, no, not just that. This <laughs> just, am I too negative on you? I just have a need to disagree. <laughs> it's like you agreed with it. I'm just listen. I'm trying to pay more attention to linguistics here because you know Pierre Nessie has me expired, uh-huh. you know, inspired. I'm just going. There's a simple thing of saying, um. Yes, and, or... I, I always go, no, because... No, yes. Not yes, and. Yes, you, you need to be a yes, and, rather than a yes, but. Ah. Uh, That's what... You like that? I, I see that. Okay. I like how I am. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, go on, go on what you are just saying. There. Well, the other was looking for immortality. The yep. specific things that the, the house, the oh, world... immortality? Not, yeah, was immortality, it? flight, all these oh, yeah, things. Yeah. He wanted these powers. And ultimately became dissatisfied because that's not what the house had and offered. And so he was able to explore the world. He was and ultimately couldn't stand there and hated it. And this oppressive, odd feeling. And I see that in reading fantasy books. If you go in with certain expectations of what you want, you're often going to be disappointed because it's going to go in a different direction. Versus you go into a story, go into a world willing to accept what it has to offer, mm-hmm. you'll tend to have a much better time enjoying it. That's such a great message from the story. I, I did too. And the thing yeah. is, not just apply that to fantasy. You apply that to life itself. Yep. If you're going out into the world kind of expecting something specific or something unreasonable or something that was never even on the table, you're often going to be left disappointed where you just go in open-minded mm-hmm. and willing to accept what is given. And in Piranesi's point of view... What can you give to the world? Yes. You're going to have a much better world perspective. And there are two, I mean, offshoot messages from that, that Mm -hmm. I've garnered from, this isn't just coming from me. This is coming from me gushing about the book and looking what other people think. One of those messages of appreciating that beauty can't be done alone because our main character by Mm. the end, when he realizes the other was never there and Raphael isn't even living in the world. So Raphael visits, but it's not there. It's not worth it to stay when there's no one else to appreciate it with. So there's a sort of a message there of what's the world when there's only one set of eyes to appreciate something. And even you can almost take this a religious route as well of when he, what he hypothesized about the house, Mm -hmm. that the house needs a witness Mm-hmm. And the house the house brought him there to witness its beauty to observe it and that with he was felt very uncomfortable leaving because then the house would truly be empty oh, or as he thought and yeah. so 
beauty and the world needs to be observed. Mm-hmm. That's part of its purpose for us. Which is strange, maybe even cosmologically. The uh, you'll the I don't know you'll hear the astrophysicists say that we are stardust as well, and we, the the universe has essentially created its own pairs of eyes to observe itself. In that strange mm. way, so you could take it very religiously or scientifically. Only reason I bring that up is because this has so many interpretations, and the one interpretation that Susanna Clark affirmed, she said, "Hey, you know, take it in, in as many ways as you want." But she sort of backed this up in uh, in an interview where exactly on the point of that is where Catterley was going to possess and take from the world. And whereas uh, our main character, Piranesi, was appreciating having a relationship, what Susanna Clark said is, it, yeah, it is important. And she was taking on this ancient, some ancient societies didn't see themselves as separate from the world. Like they were one. Mm-hmm. And so you treat you treat your outside surroundings as you would yourself, and there's no distinguishing factor between the two. And just a grander message about an extension of thyself. I could have said yourself, but... Yeah, of course. You got, got to be a little pretentious. A little bit. A little this bit. is so, booktube. I even wrote down in my notes, thyself, just to remind myself <laughs> to try to sound smart. So I, I went for it. But there's so many. Do you have another thing that you got out of this book, Big Time? So there's the expectations. There's the connection to what it's a fantasy world or actual life of beauty and your relationship with the world. And that's just some of the things. I think you can take a look at the how the world treats innocence <sighs> and how a there is something lost when the... Abs- that you lose sight of something when your innocence is lost. And that's why a child's innocence is so valuable, and it's such a tragedy when it is robbed from them. That children can see the world in a very unique way, and it is sad when that is taken away. It's an inevitable tragedy, but a tragedy nonetheless. That's that's a great point, and that comes from our main character being so trusting, and this blind, naive trust. The whole time you know... The other's the bad guy, but you're just waiting for that moment yeah. to switch. And I have one last big... So yeah, I had there the trust and the blind ignorance that goes right into what you're saying. But the two biggest things I got from this book was one, and I want to, I want to hear what you have to say on this part. The biggest message I got, I'll quote this article from The Guardian. So this is what it says. And they said it better than I could. So it says... This is a philosophical thought experiment comes to mind as one reads this novel. If you can't see or feel the boundaries of your prison cell, for lack of a better word, are you a prisoner without free will? For if you believe you are free, is that enough to have free will, simply the belief? So what you can draw from this book is, are you in a sanctuary or are you in a prison? So Mm -hmm. Piranesi, the world is theoretically endless, but he's still confined in our sense of the word. But his imagination and his actual surroundings doesn't feel that way. To him, it's beautiful. To him, it's magical because that's how he perceives the world. And then that amazing message at the end, and I don't want to butcher the line here, but of course the the famous line, the beauty of the house is immeasurable. It's kindness infinite. And that parallel structure, which is amazing. But looking at the real world and the this imaginary world, this this sanctuary this not sanctuary, the labyrinth. And seeing it in that way makes you think of, do, do, is your own imaginations and machinations that your limit? 
And mm. Orkish Dad, a patron, mentioned this, how that could extend to everything, your marriage, your job, your, uh, your friendships. Of Marriage could be seen as a sanctuary or a prison. If you mm. think it confines you and your perception of the thing itself, it will. But if you think that it's your sanctuary and that it's, you see all the good and the optimism in it, then mm-hmm. it is your freedom and it is your free will. I love that. That's actually something from Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, is that the world does not make the world does not uh, imprison you. The that nothing actually can emotionally affect you. Things don't happen to you. It's that your reaction to things happens. So if something terrible happens to you and makes you feel upset, mm-hmm. it is not the thing that made you upset it is your reaction to the thing that makes you upset. yeah events don't hurt you your view of events hurts and you. so you inside your your mind can either be a prison or a sanctuary and that is mm. fully up to you that is your choice no matter where you are you may be in a prison cell you may be tortured doesn't matter your mind is your own solely no one has control over it but you mm-hmm. and so your mental state is fully on you and there's a there's a sense of freedom to that, yeah. of you are in complete control of yourself, but also the limiting factor of you can't blame someone else. You are solely responsible. Yep. But yeah, he, that was kind of the one of his thoughts is the your mind your mind uh, can be your sanctuary, not your prison. That that is great, and how you can view it differently than I can. For example, with the, mm-hmm. the debate or one of the arguments in this book was between, it's a very brief argument, between Piranesi and Raphael, where Raphael was mentioning about how the statues, like, hey, you can actually see real mountains and you could see real rivers instead of these statues. And Piranesi took that to say, hey, that comes off of you saying the statues are inferior. Why would you say that? I think they're better. I think they're the perfect version of they don't decay over time and kind of the classic line of you know one man's treasure is another man's or sorry one man's trash is another man's treasure yes in many ways the uh, piranesi saw the through his mind of a innocent child he saw change as kind of scary so in the world in the house everything is unchanging it's perfect it's endless and that's a very that's comfortable to him. Yeah. And so that's the that is the uh the innocence of a child but also the insecurity of a child. And so you know an adult grows up and realizes that things change and that's okay. Sometimes it could be scary, sometimes it's bad, but eventually things do change. So and, yeah. And there's that child's perspective and also there's a whole metaphor here about mental illness and I've seen some theories about the actual labyrinth itself being imaginary. Some people take it as a literal labyrinth, or some mm-hmm. people take it as a this this cultist organization, and he was tortured and trapped, and his way of escaping was creating this fictional world in his head, which not everyone might like that interpretation. It could be more of a metaphor than a literal. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, a literal form of what the book's trying to go for. But there's a, there's so much to graph it. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> that's why I had this at a 9.5, is there's so many important things to say that you can grab from this that I will think about deeply for a long time. Yeah. I think we should move on to characters. Characters, and this is an important one. What did you give characters out of 10? I gave characters an 8.25 out of 10. I gave it a 9. Excellent. Yeah. Freaking excellent. You know what character I thought... I thought more of as time went on, and I thought really positively. Raphael? Raphael. Very small character, but I think really came off across the page. It's really unique. Go on, just, this, just the fact that this detective was willing to go into this kind of imaginary world to find him, the amount that she really tried to help Piranesi, and then also by the end wasn't forceful in pushing him out, but was willing to work them and negotiate, reach on his level. It was quite sweet. Yeah. And then realizing back in her world, she's seen as this oddball back in uh, the real world. Mm. And so, I don't know, she stood out to me. But of course, Piranesi being I mean, the main character. Piranesi being the main character, what did you think of Piranesi? It was very disturbing when he went 180 uh, on the other when that's, he was that's interesting because i didn't find it disturbing really yeah why not so you're talking about the moment when you know kind of had that monologue against the other yeah and i have the monologue here i'll say it more in the dialogue pro section i'll save it for that but i took this main character as awkward naive impressionable and not in a negative way i don't ever mean this term in every way but autistic to a certain extent of very meticulous about journal entries and uh, very meticulous about journal entries and mentioning the albatross and uh, also the way he interacted with others and having this very matter of fact, punctual punctuation and had a routine and had the clock. And so had a lot of things that was very meticulous in particular. And I don't know if that's the right term to say, uh, like, I don't know if that's the right medical term or whatever it might be, but had this very, like, a very lovable character. Mm -hmm. And there was so much good about this character, but at the same time, uh, like the flaw, because you always look for a flaw in a character, the flaw here would be uh, that Piranesi was a little bit conceited in some ways. That Piranesi Mm. knew everything about the house. Like, this was, you know, had all this grand knowledge about the house, but at the same time was so lovable. So, you had this little mix, (laughs) and that fire at the end you're talking about where it took that 180, I didn't see it as more disturbing. I saw it as, oh, I I saw it as almost uh, naively funny. Because the way he was describing he was going to, you know, he said out loud the villain one-liner he was going to say when he defeated when he defeated the other like oh yeah now you're going to have enough water that kind of thing where it was his almost his imagination of what it would be like to well, take down the other by disturbing i think it really put into context the the previous character that you were that you're uh, following yeah. as this kind of really wholesome innocent person and that twist when he's talked about how he's going to kill the other really kind of made me go oh this this person's a little like 
actually needs help. There, there, there's something off. There's something off with him. Not just... It just made the consequences of his imprisonment in the in the house a bit more clear. It, and might, it, it, yeah. it, it contextualized this not being just hmm. pure happy and fantasy, but like, oh, something really tragic has happened to this character, and this wholesome, innocent face is not everything that he is. It's and exploring it that clear sad. split personality by the end as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah uh, maybe maybe I'm just thinking of the word. Um, oh, sorry, say the word you're saying. It seemed disturbing. Uh, maybe yeah, it's maybe the word not distur- disturbing, yeah. but it put his wholesome character into context of. Yeah, it made him a bit more tragic. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say more tragic. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, because I, I will say this again in dialogue pros when we get there. But this is Piernesi single-handedly has the best character voice I think I've ever read of anything. Mm. This is the most perfect character voice. I deeply understand who this is. Every line, I'm like, yes, this is Piranesi. This is what Piranesi would say. And I'll I'll go more into that in dialogue prose, but did you feel the same that it was written in that oh, way yeah. that Piranesi just exuded who Piranesi was? It, it was. It was a perfect... I, it's, it does exactly what I love Terry Pratchett about. Like, yeah. Terry Pratchett does character voice wonderfully some of the best Uh, i would also say uh uh, joe abercrombie does character voices particularly well but susanna clark my god what a killer character voice (sighs) and and to talk about the other real quick the other Mm -hmm. is a very simple villain but all it took was one line for me of when we're introduced to how pierre got in there with the 12-minute ritual and all you mm-hmm. hear is, the, is that simple and effective villain where the other goes, a young, healthy man is just what I wanted, and laughs. That's it. <laughs> just a little creepy line in there to make a good villain, an interesting dynamic between a very uh, first-person pov journal entry story was all you needed. All around the characters, like I, I, I don't know why you're being so tough on this book not to give it a nine. I'm point five, point uh, seven five. That's off. significant. That's significant. Okay. That see his thing. The other himself, I really enjoyed, but yeah. I with the other, the other isn't Gollum. Rich, that that's the difference between me and you. Okay, I respect Gollum because he's a great villain and interesting. You like Gollum because he looks like you. Hey, I I show. I got all of my hair off. He still has that weird, wispy look. Like, it looks bad. How does that feel that he, Gollum has that's more hair than you? You walked into that one. That's not even on me. That's on you. But that's our difference with our ratings because Gollum has a whole epic trilogy, Lord of the Rings, to explore who Gollum is as a character. I think the other effectively does like a great job for Piranesi being two, 300 pages. We won't get into that debate again. No. Because I think that we had that debate off camera for like... Four hours? About. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You ready to move in the plot? Yeah. All right. Plot time. What'd you give plot for Piranesi out of 10? I gave it an eight. Eight out of 10. Great. I gave it a 9.25. It's very Ex- high. Excellent. Very high plot. And why Why eight? Was it the more underwhelming part of the book for you? Is that one of your lower ratings? Yeah. It's the lowest score I have. Why is Though, that? To be fair, yeah. the, like it's lowest by 0.5. It's still an eight. It's still an eight. But like did it, it's did it really wow you good. or probably it could tie the beginning 
a little bit. So I enjoyed it, but it spends a lot of time in the beginning just having you sit in the world and not a lot of, like, it doesn't really get to the conclusion. It's a, it's a very slow burn, and I can understand why people would stop reading after about half the book. Like, they get to a certain point, they'll be like, eh, I'm going to put it down. And so maybe ah. it could be tied in there where it will be succinct. So, like, Small Gods is one of those things of it was very thought-provoking all of it, but it carried you from, like, page one. It's a, it's a choice. By the end, I really liked it. But it is a choice that people are going to tune out by, like, 30 pages in. Some people are going to put it down. I'll give you that, that a book like this relies on its ending. Relies on the payoff. Yeah. And if the, the payoff, like, it stunned me, gave it very high. But I also did find... You still give it high, so I'm not, it's not like... Yeah, no, it's just, like... Yeah, you're comparing the, the not, to other the stories. The nine I get ten it. would get the yeah. ending, but also carry you through the beginning. So that sure, you sure. got to do everything. But you did mention at the beginning how the very first line just enraptured you, and you were like, it, "I need to know more." It intrigues me. Yeah, I, but I'm also thinking. Oh, you're waiting for the people. I understand. <laughs> I can get it. There's stuff that I particularly enjoy that yeah. not everyone enjoys, and I can understand that. Like, but it's your rating. But I'm trying to be objective. So, so your your eight is like you're compensating for the public. The public scores influencing you. I just know what the ten would have to be, mm. and it doesn't like ten. Not only reaches me, it's perfection. It it's for everyone. So enough negativity. <laughs> it does. It holds my attention very well with the intrigue. Part to part, I love how it's structured. I love the structure of this where. You, you, and there's seven parts to this. First part, Piranesi. We find out about the strangeness of this world. Part two is the other. The new intrigue is who is this? Why is Piranesi and him the only other person in this entire world? Goes right into the prophet, which goes right into 16 and all the intrigue there. And then we find out about the villain, who the villain is. And we see our our main character's reaction to finding out and getting this Pandora's box and eventually getting the messages at the end. It was very well structured. I can I can think of the whole novel from start to finish and how the reveals were so subtle and effective and kept me going. It just it had a really good balance and it being too... If this book was longer, I would have disliked the plot a lot more. I think for Definitely it being agree. the 240 page mark, like what, this was 60,000 words? Something like that? Yeah. That's effective. Mm-hmm. That is great. And the message hits more when it's done so succinctly when you're trying to get across a message in a book tends to be what i found is the shorter the better yeah a long series a long book will the only real it there's two advantages that it has is it makes you fall more deeply in love with the characters because you spent so much time with them right and the world becomes far more real not just intriguing. Like, this world is intriguing, and I'm curious, and I have these questions about it. But if I spent 14 books in this world, I'd pro- I don't think I could spend 14 You're missing books the, in the third world. thing, then. The third benefit is you can walk around going, I read The Wheel of Time. Yes. Yeah. That is the best benefit. <laughs> because you can't go around that saying Piranesi, because it's like, you could read Piranesi in a day. Wheel of Time <laughs> such a time commitment to where that's, that's an accomplishment. Yes, but it applies to even, like, Movies and shows. I don't know. Like Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire type thing, Mm -hmm. or 
Lord of the Rings, even. Like, there's a bunch of these longer fantasy novels that just sit you in the world. Oh, totally. Totally. Because you have to go beyond intrigue. This only has the intrigue and the mystery. But once that's gone, like, any longer in this world, it'd be like, it's not as fun. You know, one of my favorite plot points, the overall theme of this, was use that Shakespearean irony and that suspense of, we know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier in, in the pod, but we know that the other is bad. We know yeah. this, but our main character doesn't know this. So it's not that we're waiting to go, who's the bad guy? It's not that kind of mystery. It's the suspense kind. So mm. we are be- we're being held our suspense because we want to see the reaction of Piranesi when it's revealed that the other is bad and what unfolds and what are the other's motivations. So it takes that of, that's a really good mystery to me where it's, I guess, not mystery. It's, there's some mystery elements, but it's suspenseful. You kind of, you're on a thin wire here going like, what's this other trying to get out of it? And how is Piranesi's worldview going to completely change? I see that. It, oh. Yeah. <laughs> the suspense was really getting to you. Yeah. Especially all the moments with 16 and you're like, okay, what what's going on? Because at first you're like, the other is the enemy, and when the other says, hey, 16's your enemy, you go, okay, well, 16's actually the friend. Yeah. <laughs> but then the prophet also says, I'm going to send 16 <laughs> to you, and you go, this guy's also not good. So what is... What's going on here? So, like, is 16 bad? Like, now I'm starting to question myself. That that wasn't At good. At first, 16 was yourself. Remember early yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, true. Like, 16 turned from was you, the reader. No, now it's a person. Now it's a... So mm-hmm. it all, that was changing, and to a point you've made in previous episodes about suspense and how long you can hold it, I felt mm. like it was held the right amount of time in Piranesi, where their com- suspense can be held too long and frustrate the reader. Definitely. Susanna Clark, she got it right. <laughs> she really did. Anything else on plot, or do you want to just brush over and go, it was an eight, it was great, but whatever? I mean, yeah, it's well-structured. <laughs> I, you said all the good things. Yeah, it's, it is well-structured. Mm-hmm. It. For me, it kept my intrigue. It always had a little nugget going into the next part that yeah. held my interest. And by the end, was entirely satisfying. The, the ending really could have ruined it. I could see many different oh, ways the yeah. ending could have gone, and it just really wouldn't work. I will say it again. I am a sucker for parallel structure. A sucker. And every time I read the line, I'm left with, the beauty of the house is immeasurable. It's kindness infinite. That's the perfect line to end it with. It start it didn't it wasn't the first line of the book, but it was the end line of the first section. If that makes you know how each yeah, yeah. Di- the first journal entry was the end of that, and it was the end of the last journal entry. And that it, it lovely, lovely <laughs> goes without saying. And speaking of the pros in here, you want to get into dialogue pros? Let's get right into it. I gave it a nine point two five. I gave it an eight point seven five. Okay, so you gave it very high, very high, We're pretty it's close on that. Really well written. And first of all, going back to the character voice of singing the praises to this is the best character voice I've ever read. You love the character voice as well. It's definitely up there. Yeah. It's it's in my top 10, top five somewhere Ooh, there. It's good. High praise. High praise. It's very well written. What else did you like about the prose? Oh. The playfulness of Piranesi. Mm-hmm. Mainly every time Piranesi is talking and... All the little conversation, the conversations between people, and how off Piranesi is, but how delightful. The, I, I think one of the more memorable moments was when he was talking to uh, Raphael and saying, "Oh, I saw you talk." The, she asked him, "Do you talk to birds?" 
I'm kind of thinking like yeah. something's off with him. He's crazy. Yeah. He's he's lost his mind. And he goes, "Of course, I saw you talking to birds." Yeah. She goes, "What? When? Yeah. You told him to piss off. <laughs> You're talking to him." And then hearing his inner dialogue of how birds think, like, "Yeah, it's pretty easy to understand birds. I mean, they peck something. It's like, well, is this food? No. Is this food? No. Is this food? Yes." That's how, that's birds. That's what birds are thinking. It's like, you know what? You're not wrong here. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. And so he may say so it lovely. and it sounds crazy, but it's also just kind of. The way he rationalizes it. It's like, you can't argue with that. It's like, no. yeah, he did talk to the birds. He said, go away. Yeah. And Raphael, no, Raphael said, piss off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You talk to the birds. Oh, lovely. That, that was one of my favorite dialogue moments. And I have my absolute favorite is, do you remember the scene where Piranesi finds out via the bad guy, Ketterly, that 16's bad? And he's trying to fend off 16, writes a big message and goes, you will not trick me, 16, like all that stuff. And he's figuring out how Piranesi should end the letter. And here, I'll, I'll read directly from the book. Writing this letter lessened the hunted feeling I had been experiencing. I felt much more in control of the situation, almost as much as 16. My only difficulty was that I did not know how to sign the letter. I could not write your friend as I did when I wrote to the other, or to Lawrence, the person who had wanted to see the statue of the elderly fox teaching some squirrels. 16 and I were not friends. I tried putting your enemy, but this seemed unnecessarily confrontational. I considered the one who will never submit to being driven mad by you, but that was rather long and not a little pompous. In the end, I simply put Piranesi, the being that the other calls me, but I do not think that is my name. So it's just <laughs> the over-explanation of the thought process of a very simple thing, which goes back to Piranesi's character, the naive mm -hmm. impressionability, and also this perfectionist. And where that, I think the, the bit of whether it's the personality or whether it's autism or whether it's something that Piranesi has, um, mm -hmm. it I comes out so beautifully. And you love the character for it. And it's just great. I Piranesi is so lovable. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, oh, that, I, I think we have to also talk about the description of the world. Oh, go on that. Go the, on that. Susanna Clark does a great job at giving a great mental picture yeah. of this world. I think you and I probably have, and everyone reading it, has the same picture of the world. Yep. It's so clear, but also wasn't wordy. But these grand, kind of spacious halls, never-ending with the statues and different types of disarray, with the lower halls being flooded with this ocean river, the uppers being with these clouds, I just get this looming sense of emptiness. And like I, I know like I would go crazy there. That would make me go insane. Yeah. But Piranesi, with his innocence and his Yeah, you've survived look. this pod long enough. I think you'd be fine. <laughs> you'd somehow manage. But you're right. But Piranesi doesn't go insane. And with the... You said it, not me. I'm going off of what you said here. Mm -hmm. And this is something I will harp on to the end of my days. That simple prose can be profound. And this is very... And I don't mean that in a negative connotation again. I mean, it's very simple prose. You don't have to look up any words but it's done so effectively and because this is the character's voice, it works beautifully with a description. And she doesn't do anything that, I mean, we, no, I shouldn't say that. It's the master, she has mastered simplicity 
and it's beautiful for that. They, I, I do disagree with you on the definition of like simplicity, because I definitely put that in a connotation uh, differently than you. Okay. There's a difference between purple prose, which is very flowerly, yeah. using big words and different alliterations, and that I think, yeah, there can be good purple prose, there can be bad. Yeah, that I think is maybe where I agree with you. The idea of simple prose, and when I'm thinking of simple, I'm thinking of something like the Hunger Games, where it's well written, it's simple, it's supposed to. It's not that it uses easy to understand words it's just that the structure of it is fairly simple and normal and doesn't do anything special it's just kind of normal oh yeah this is that, special. that's my yeah. that's my point this is not purely simple prose uh, okay, simple prose doesn't mean using simple words it's okay. the technique of which they are used oh yeah i agree with you it's it's the technique is beautiful masterful all i mean by simple is that it is not it is not poetic. It sure. is not beautiful prose. So I'm just using simple as an opposite to like po poetic and complicated prose. I agree with you on, I think we both got the same thing from this. Yeah, because so, I, I don't know how else I would, I would uh, describe... Whatever the word is that I'm trying simple. to say. Sure, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, here's another favorite moment, and this was mentioned earlier by you, but the trying to kill the other, planning to kill the other, is just written in such a lovable way uh, no here's where you got the disturbing image as well which uh, here yeah. it is this is this is where Piranesi's planning it but of course the other has said that he will not be here on thursday he is never here on thursdays he will be safe in the other world that does not matter anger makes me resourceful on tuesday the other will come to meet me it is a regular meeting day i will snatch him and bind him with fishing nets with these hands i will do it i have two fishing nets they are made of polymer and very strong i shall bind him to the statues in the second southern western hall for two days he will be bound he will be in torment knowing the flood is coming perhaps i will give him water to drink perhaps i will not perhaps i will say to him soon you have plenty of water and on thursday he will watch the tides pouring in through the doors and he will scream and scream and i will laugh and laugh the way you said it is very different how i read it in my head oh fair that very <laughs> like because you have the context of this character who's doesn't even want to hurt a fly yeah and then going to the point of maybe like i will tie him up maybe i'll give him water maybe i won't and uh. that there was like a viciousness in him that you didn't really think possible and then it's not that he's very kind. It is that he is lacking something. He is lacking a maturity. And it's oh, very yeah. different. So that that's the whole thing. That, that's why my the context in my head was very different. That it put the kindness that he had, the wholesomeness, in a different light. Where that's not just coming from a kind soul. That's coming from a very um, naive and really sad like tragic soul. Yeah, tra I like the word tragic. It's yeah. a tragic way because it's almost as if he, he doesn't know enough about the world to be more he's on that's the most evil he's capable of if that makes sense. What I'm trying to say is mm. the whole catchphrase of him saying, "Soon you will have plenty of water." Like him thinking of that in his head is like the worst thing he could think of to say mm. and the worst possible thing he could do. Uh, like, yeah, just imagine if he was less naive 
if he was a different character and less impressionable, it, he could have went way darker, I think. Just that that was the most evil he could possibly be he was showing us. Yeah. But it was it was it just showed more of his personality. It was very cool. And all around the dialogue and prose for this is it's been some of my favorite for a character voice ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm only upset that there's only a few books we can read from Susanna Clark. That's true. That's and a shame. Lastly, unless you got anything else to say in dialogue prose. Yeah. World building. World building magic. What'd you give it out of ten? I gave it a nine point two five. Do you hear it here, folks? He gave something a nine. Over a nine, a nine two five. Nine two five. I gave it an eight five. I think this world leads to so much mystery, intrigue, and the description of it is near perfect. Yeah. A a lot of this goes into her writing ability and being able to describe the world as well. So that maybe that's a little bit of the prose goes into world building. It's a significant factor. But the idea of the statues, and I know when I was first reading it, one of my theories is one of the statues looked like someone was literally crawling out of the wall and looked like they were frozen trying to squeeze out of the wall. And I'm going, I don't know if this is a statue. Like, (laughs) are these statues people? Did they used to be people? What happened to them? Were there giants in this world? And they became statues. Will Piranesi become a statue? I, I got so many different questions on how the how it worked, the descriptions of them, the uniqueness, wonderful. I I love the birds. I love the <laughs> the albatross coming in. It's Ooh. just a weird image of this kind of empty, hollow, quiet hallways. And then just this big old albatross <laughs> coming through, flying through the halls and lands. And it's also, it's alone. Just yeah. like Piranesi, it's stuck yeah. in this never-ending world, but also has the freedom of flight. And it's, I don't know why it got me. It, it just was a great world to be in and be, uh. so many questions. I would love to be around in this world. I want more stories in the world. And you said this in Dialogue Pros, but the fact that we have this same picture of this world. Oh yeah, I'm positive. Like, says infinite good things about a book if we had the same exact image of what's going on mm-hmm. and the, you know what Susanna clark said about the birds hmm. and why they were the kind of meaning behind them she didn't go into details but she said the concept about birds have been birds are also a significant part or at least a part of jonathan strange her previous novel is that she always found it fascinating that birds where do they come from and where do they go they fly so i guess adding into the world that it's this endless house and space like what where do the birds go like, well is there is there another part of the world just adds a level of intrigue of well oh, yeah i remember when i first heard of the ultra i was going yeah. like wait a minute is there at some point an ocean there <laughs> is there another group of people like mm-hmm. how far does this go where did this albatross come from mm-hmm. and it yeah you're right yeah it did it did add another question to the world I'm only right because Susanna Clark said that. Usually yes. I say very stupid things. But all, basically everything I've said, I've been, I looked some interviews up. I mean, there's very few with her, so it was tough to find some. But if you had to close this off, Piranesi, with a phrase and what it means to you going forward, what would you say? I think this is a book for readers. 
Mm-hmm. This is a book. If you consider yourself like your hobby, your joy is reading books and particularly fantasy books. This is a book for the fans. Oh, yeah. this is a book for all of you reading nerds out there. This is fun. If if you're a casual fan, maybe you'll get there. Maybe maybe one day you'll d- earn the right to read this book. Yeah. But you're not there yet. You know who you are. You know. <laughs> <laughs> this I the best thing I could say about this book, I was so interested in its meanings and so forth. I found myself during this podcast episode actually trying to focus on the content rather than focus on making you feel insecure about yourself. I, I did feel I that actually, there was less yes, hostility. The, there was less of me directing all of my insecurities at you, and I was going, <laughs> let's actually talk about this book. I also felt energized during this podcast. Like, yeah. Normally, I'm like low-energy Richard. <sighs> that, like, you bring the energy, I'm the straight man you bounce off the wall of. I, Wait, I get it. I was, know the dynamic. This was high-energy Richard? Oh, God. <laughs> this was high-energy Richard? I was enjoying myself. <laughs> We had fun. This is about as high energy as you're going to get me. <laughs> because it, it, this is this was a thinker. And what I want to hear the most, any commenters, if you agree with any of our theories, or I, I guess we just toss out a bunch of meanings from this also, book. Also, I would love so, to hear yes, your guys' theories. If you've read this book, I want to read yes. them down in the comments of what you thought this book meant. Because yeah. that would be greatly fascinating. Also, if you're interested in talking with us about this book... Or future books to come. Yes. We are actually reading Neuromancer at the time of this video when it's posted. That's our next book club. So if you're interested in reading Neuromancer with us, you can click uh, the Patreon link down below. Uh, leave a like, comment, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Thanks for watching this one. This was, yeah. a, this was a philosophical one. Let us know your theories. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.